With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Do you think you're smart enough to figure out if someone's lying? Turns out if you're too smart, that may work against you. Lying is a consistent element we see in narcissistic relationships, and it drives the betrayal and the lack of trust that festers in narcissistic relationships. So let's meet Abby Ellen and her experience of a bottomless pit of lies that she encountered with the pathological liar she almost married and who ended up going to jail. He lied about everything from the Brussels sprouts at dinner to having another fiance in another city. Abby is a journalist, the author of Duped, Double Lives, False Identities, and The Con Man I Almost Married, and host of the podcast, Imposters, The Commander. Abby's experience in this relationship led her to do a deep dive into lying and deceit. Today, we get to hear Abby's story as well as some of the truths she's heard about lying. We break down why people lie, explore the idea of self-deception, and the steps you can take to protect yourself in a world where trust is often in short supply. All survivors of narcissistic relationships know what it feels like to be lied to. Today, we're going to learn about the anatomy of a liar. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for medical or mental health advice. Individuals are advised to seek independent medical advice, counseling, and or therapy from a healthcare professional with respect to any medical condition, mental health issue, or health inquiry, including matters discussed on this podcast. This episode discusses abuse, which may be triggering to some people. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the podcast author or individuals participating in the podcast and do not represent the opinions of Red Table Talk Productions, iHeartMedia, or their employees. Abby, welcome. It is so nice to finally meet you in person. 
Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. You know, when I read your book, Duped, and of course, I'm double fisting your book. Paperback and right, hardcover. Right? Woohoo. I thought I was going to read a memoir of lying, and I really got a master class on lying. It you was got a master class? I, I got, I, You're I got the master. master. No, 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 no. <laughs> Thank you for that. But lying and deceit is a very specific area. And it's something that hurts people in so many ways. And so today on Navigating Narcissism, lying is very much a part of narcissism, but it goes way deeper than that. And so can you tell us your experience of being duped? Yes, I can. The short version is that I was engaged to a man who was a pathological liar and went to jail. That's the short version. The the longer version is that I am a journalist and I was writing an article for the New York Times that I needed to quote a doctor. It had to do with detox diets, and I needed an expert. And I found this guy who worked at Cedar sinai actually here in Los Angeles, and he was lovely and smart, and we had a conversation, and that was the end of it, and I quoted him. And then the story didn't run for about a year. So I fact-checked with him a year later, and he said, I'm not in L.A. anymore. I'm in Jacksonville at the Naval Hospital. And I said, okay. And he said, I joined the Navy. I rejoined the Navy as a Navy doc. I had been years ago. I said, okay. He said, I'm opening up a hospital for kids with cancer in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I said, fantastic. Keep me posted on that because that's a story. And so he said, okay. And every so often he would write me these notes. They were very strange. They were just filled with medical jargon. I didn't understand them. That was the end of it until the end of whatever year it was, he started writing to me more. And it soon became clear that he had interest. So we met and, you know, it moved quickly. At the time, I was 42 and he was 58. And I thought he was ancient. (laughs) Yeah, right? As I get older, that doesn't seem so old. But he would tell me stories that I couldn't verify. Like he told me he had met his ex-wife when he rescued her when she was held hostage in Iran. And I was like, when were we in Iran? Like, you know, 1970? That wouldn't have made any sense. Or 79, sorry. And he said, yeah, it was a secret mission. You wouldn't have heard about it. And so then he told me that he was held hostage in China. And secret mission, you wouldn't have heard about it. And I was like, what? This is insane. But he had a kid. And his kid, who was 12 at the time, seemed to know all of his father's stories. Like, Mm. he knew him. And I thought to myself, well, if he's lying to his kid about that, that's like child abuse. Like, one day his kid looked out the window and said, oh, there's a black sedan outside. Is that one of your guys following us? Because he had told his kid that, like, the bad guys hated him so much that he had Secret Service following him to make sure that all of his people were okay. So his son knew this. And I would hear, overhear these conversations. Yeah, so I thought, it's weird, but you know what? What do I know? I'm from the suburbs of Boston. This is not my beat. Because he told me he'd been in the CIA and all this stuff. I could not verify it. Yeah. But it drove me mad because I need to get answers. And I don't like not having information. And I remember friends of mine said, you know, this is the lesson you're going to have to learn that there's so much information and you can't know everything. And I was like, yeah, but that doesn't work for me. I got to know everything. I need to know how everything lines up. So I would ask him questions and he would yell at me. He would say, you interrogate me. You have to trust and you're mistrusting and that's your problem. And that's why you have had bad relationships in the past. And so I really thought there was something wrong with me. Mm. And so he proposed within six months. And I said, okay, sure. And I was going to school at Johns Hopkins at the time to get a degree in international relations. When he was working at the Pentagon for real, opening up this hospital for kids with cancer. And we lived in the Watergate, which is makes me very happy because that's like ground zero for deception. So I just love that. Yeah. I mean, it really makes me happy. But eventually I left him 
mm-hmm. because I couldn't verify things. And the final straw, we went out with my parents, and he talked about the Brussels sprouts, and he said they were like the best Brussels sprouts ever. And then we left the restaurant, and my parents were gone. He said, God, that was the worst meal I've ever eaten. I said, why did you lie? Like, nobody cared. They didn't cook it. He said, I didn't want to hurt their feelings. And I thought to myself, if he's lying about that, he can lie about anything. Mm. And I said, you know what, I'm out. I'm done. So it was within a year I left. I said, something's wrong here. I'm out. A year later, I got a phone call from NCIS, which is Naval Criminal Investigative Service. And they're real. Who knew? Not Mark Harmon, but they're real. And they said, there's a doctor who's writing prescriptions for narcotics, and he's using all these people's names, and you're one of them. Do you have a prescription for Vicodin and Percocet, and do you know this doctor? And I said, well, I know this doctor, but no, because I prefer Valium. And so they said, okay, well, come down and make a statement. And so that's what I did. And then I kicked into journalist mode and began investigating him and found out that majority of stuff he told me was not not true. But what he did, which was so brilliant, is he mixed fact with fiction. And that's what they do. So you really don't know what's up. But good liars are going to do that because if they can root it in something that sounds factual, especially if it's not verifiable, then, you know. So he went to jail. I wrote a book. And so I found out he had proposed to another woman when he proposed to me. Like he had been engaged to this other woman and told her, I have to go off on a secret mission. I'll see when I come back. And the secret mission was Operation Abby. She didn't know what happened to her. He was lying to his son. He was lying to his daughter. He was lying to his ex. He was lying to his family. All of these people. He was lying to people he worked with at the Pentagon because he really did work there. I mean, it was very weird. And he went to jail. I have not spoken to him since, since, since 2010. My book has come out. I did a podcast about it called Imposters, the Commander, because I called him the Commander as a nickname. Once it became clear the depth and the breadth of the lies with the Commander, Mm -hmm. how did you feel initially? Elated. After NCIS called, I was elated. I was excited because it was like, I'm not crazy. I knew something was off because I thought to myself, you know, 42 years old, it's not old anymore. I mean, it's the end of really when you want to think about having kids and it's, you know, and I had wanted to adopt and I really was interested in that idea. So at that point, I thought, okay, I just found somebody in the nick of time. And I wasn't Mm -hmm. madly in love with him. It wasn't one Mm -hmm. of those passionate, youthful, you know, you want to go off together into the sunset and have sex all day long. It wasn't that. It was, it was really, I thought he was a good dude. So in a way it was worse. Mm -hmm. It was a worse betrayal because I can't blame my hormones, you know? (laughs) So I really felt elated when special agent pulled me up. I was really happy. And my mother kept saying to me, investigate this guy. He had been in private practice in Beverly Hills. The whole time I was with him, she said, who gives up a lucrative position in Beverly Hills in private practice? I wish you could call them. And I thought, yeah, but I can't. That's not like a loving way to go into a relationship. As soon as I got the call from NCIS, I was like calling Beverly Hills. I mean, I was (laughs) thrilled. So that was how I felt at first. I was really, really happy. And it makes sense because in a way you felt whole again. That's what I'm hearing, right? That in these narcissistic relationships or deceitful, betraying relationships, people feel chopped up into pieces. That's right. And anything that helps that integration, people will say, my heart was devastated by an affair they had. But when I realized that they'd had multiple affairs, I actually started to feel a little better and that it wasn't me. Well, that's it. And when I found out that he had this other woman with whom he was living in Jacksonville, Mm -hmm. when we moved into the Watergate, he still had bags that he needed to move from Jacksonville to Washington. And I said, let's drive down and pick them up. And he said, no, I'm going to have them shipped. The reason was because he had been living with a woman whom he had proposed Mm. to. So he didn't want me to find that out. And, you know, it's very hard to parse out the person and the woman and the journalist in me because I knew there was a story there. 
on some level there was going to be a story, and I knew I was right. going to uncover it right. whatever, on some level. And I think in retrospect, and this is a whole other issue, but I think I wanted a career more than I wanted the guy. And this is looking back on it, you know, kind of makes me wonder what my own agenda was, you know, okay. in a way. I, I want to run with that. Yeah. Well, you're saying that I wanted the career more than the guy. Are you saying that because you stuck in the relationship? You know, he promised these big things. I wanted to change my life at the time. So I went back to school for this, what I call my second useless master's, you know, in international relations at Johns Hopkins. I wanted to really cover different kinds of things that I was writing about. I had written a book at that point about childhood obesity, and I didn't want to do that kind of health stuff anymore. And he promised me a big life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were going to go to the embassies and we were going to, you know, do all of these big things in Washington. And, of course, the White House was always calling for his expertise. And, you know, we're going to go there soon. The Obamas are going to have us over. Of course they weren't going to have us over because they didn't know who the guy was. I mean, you know, and in my head I always thought, you're lying. I know you're lying to me. I mean, I told friends, this guy's messing with me, but I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. So I wanted a bigger life. And the truth is, I didn't want a guy to give me a bigger life. I wanted to get the bigger life myself. And I got the bigger life on the back of a guy because I got to tell this story that has resonated with so many people and happened to be very timely. And how do you feel about that, that you got the bigger life on the back of a guy? How does that affect you? I'm happy about that. I wanted that. You know, I get to meet you. I didn't know what my next career move was going to be at the time. So this is going back 10 years already, 12 years. So it really gave me what I wanted. It opened up many doors in terms of, you know, I did a podcast. I did a documentary about other things. I'm working in other spaces. So I'm happy about that. Would I like to have a private life? Would I like to have a partner who I really adored and dug? Yeah, sure. Okay. There's that no hasn't happened. Okay, that, that hasn't happened. That hasn't happened. What I think an existentialist might argue that you turned your pain into opportunity well, that's and it. growth. Monetize suffering. And yeah. I joke, that's not like I got rich in the slightest, but <laughs> I mean, that's my joke. It's just like when life gives you lemons, you make lemon meringue pie, right? That's, that's good. That's you much do. more aspirational. Much than more lemonade. aspirational. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I, I like that. So, yes. I want to take a step backwards, though, because we talked about how you felt when you found out mm -hmm. from NCIS Contacts mm -hmm. You, mm -hmm. which I didn't even know that was a thing. I thought that was a TV show. Totally so real. Like, okay. Naval so. Criminal Investigative Service. <laughs> totally. The real NCIS calls you. you, you you're like, okay, this, I see that this is what I suspected. There's an elation you have. How did you feel while you were in the relationship and all these lies and this gaslighting were happening I to you? I didn't know which way was up. I had written a birthday card to my friend's kid. I asked the commander if he would mail it. He said, sure. My friend's kid never got it. And I was like, I don't understand. You didn't, he said, you said you did it. You said you did it. Like, why are you lying to me? He said, I really did it. And it turned out I had forgotten to put a stamp on it. So, but I was couldn't I was like not knowing if I could trust him about anything I didn't know if I could trust myself I didn't know I was really felt like I was Ingrid Bergman you know in Gaslight I felt like somebody was flickering the lights on me and I and telling me I was making him up just to clarify on why nobody would want to be Ingrid Bergman in a relationship Ingrid Bergman played the role of Paula who was gaslighted in the film that started it all Gaslight she is the OG survivor of narcissistic abuse. The film gets its name from the flickering gaslights that Paula kept noticing, but that her gaslighting partner told her weren't flickering and that she was paranoid and unstable. And I thought this might be my last chance at finding a partner, mm -hmm. at doing that thing, you know, and he's a good guy. And I thought... I was blowing it by being so suspicious. 
So right there, right to which that's what you're looking is, for. That, that's, that's the narcissistic. Like, yeah, there you go. That's Thank my you. gift. Yeah. So, but that's the narcissistic relationship right there. What is it about me? I've got it's all here, and the problem is in these relationships, the above the line stuff looks great. Doctor, Jewish, successful, embassies, White House, like it all looks good. It's the below the line that teaches us the narcissism of it all. We feel it. Like I'm, I don't know which way is up. I don't feel comfortable. Those are the things you're saying. Ingrid Bergman. Yeah. Right? No one should ever feel like Ingrid Bergman in a relationship. Well, maybe but Casablanca. But it would be nice if we looked like her. Right? Nice, <laughs> yes, right. Maybe for Casablanca, Ingrid. But even then, that didn't quite yeah, work didn't out. didn't work well. So all of that's happening. That's below the line. Above the line is this looks great. And so you call yourself suspicious. Yeah. I thought I was suspicious. And again, what he would always do is malign his ex-wife, of course. It's always the ex-wife's problem. Yeah. I didn't know he'd been married twice before. Mm. I found the ex-ex-wife. You know, and then I found out, of course, he never met the second ex-wife in Iran. He'd never been to Iran. She'd never been to Iran. They met in medical school. And he left his first wife to, for the second. You know, so all these things. And NCIS contacts you. So now you're feeling, again, more whole. You talked about feeling happy, okay, and elated. What other feelings were you having? Relief. Okay, relief. I felt okay. relieved. I right. was just like, okay, I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm not imagining things. Mm-hmm. I didn't just blow the best thing that ever happened to me because yeah. this is not a reliable yeah. person. This mm-hmm. is not a reliable narrator. This is mm-hmm. a really screwed up individual. In that way, you got a gift that a lot of survivors of these relationships don't get. I know that. They live in regret for years. Did I make a mistake? Is this new person getting the better version of it? Did I give up on whatever it was? In your case, it might have been embassies and someone else is just, did I give up on the secure home, the this, the that? And so they don't get the NCIS moment. I know they don't. And I think that's one of the reasons that I was able to write a book. And I don't feel like a victim. I don't even feel like a survivor. You know what? I feel like a sufferer. I feel like I suffered something. I don't use the word survivor. It's just my own pet thing, and I I certainly don't use victim. I suffered through this experience, Hmm. and then I stopped suffering about it because I learned about it. I mean, the way to deal with it was I had to learn about this. And what struck me with so many people who had been in these kind of relationships, nobody wanted to talk about it, or at least certainly not publicly. And I was telling my cab driver, I was telling everybody because it was a story. It was a good story. But everybody felt so ashamed. Yes. And I thought, well, what's the worst thing you did? You trust it. And somebody mm-hmm. lied to you. Like, that's not a crime. That's not stupid. That's actually the way the world works. We have to trust. Because if we don't trust, the society will not function. What do you think is holding survivors back? What's the source of shame? They think that they missed something. They think, mm-hmm. why was I so gullible? They, mm-hmm. you know, they think that they should have been able to see something in advance. I mean, studies have been done, actually, that the smarter you are, the more likely you are to have been duped or to be duped because you think that you'll spot it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you are, you're vulnerable to your vulnerability. You have mm-hmm. no idea, mm-hmm. you know, just how susceptible you are. And in my instance, I'll tell you something else. He told me he had been held hostage. I told you. In, it's a lot in, of hostage taking. A lot of hostage taking. And actually he was taking other women hostage, right? At least mentally. How's that for a nice therapy issue? But he would sleep with the lights on and he would sleep with the TV on. And in the middle of the night, he had nightmares, screaming nightmares. And this is all for real. I was next to him. And I remember thinking, well, that's evidence right there. You don't scream bloody murder in the middle of the night unless something bad happened. You know? I still don't know. His ex-wife and I, who became friendly, the second one, she said, what was that? Like, what do you think happened? And I'm... 
she said, I guess he just had nightmares, you know. I don't know why. I don't know what his background was. I don't know. But it was really interesting. And so that, again, people think – I don't know if you watched The Tinder Swindler. Had you had one of them on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they thought they had evidence. This yeah, guy, yeah. they met – I mean, so when you – so then you do your due diligence – and you think, okay, I'm looking at all the ducks, and they're all seeming to be lined up. Mm. And then you realize they're not. You think, well, well, how do I trust anything? Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. But in a way, that makes it much easier for you, doesn't it? Because if the ducks line up, you're looking around, you're seeing everything seems to make sense, then you're absolutely absolved. It's yes. really not your fault. Right, and I, I'm going to make the argument it never was your fault in the first place. You know mm-hmm. that that's you know I think that that the challenge is is that people are looking for that fault to get lifted. Well, right? I, I th- and I think there's also people. You know why do people feel such shame? Because nobody wants to be taken for a ride. No, I didn't lose any money. In fact, I yeah. was living for free. So you know I did okay. People who've lost a lot of money. Yeah, I mean that's really mm-hmm. heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is that. The people I know who've been emotionally betrayed and didn't lose money in a way feel worse because you understand somebody doing it for money. But you don't understand somebody messing with you for absolutely no reason just because they're playing chess with your life. It doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. You know, what did this guy get from me? If I was going to try and deceive somebody, I mean, I could go to like some heiress. (laughs) I could go to like some supermodel. Not that he would have gotten one, but, you know, I mean, (laughs) there was other people than like, you know, a loud mouth journalist who is going to research the hell out of you. So it was not smart on his part. What do you think he got? He got something. He did. No, I think I can be fun. I can be funny. I think I think there's a part of him that was intrigued by me. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I think um, I'm pathologically independent. Maybe he was felt that was a challenge to try and rein that in. Who knows? Did you ever stop to think, though, that you are a journalist, you are an investigator, that you are a bigger fish to land if he could deceive you? Yes, I think that's right. I think that's right. What happened when you were in the relationship and you called him out on a lie? He you know? would attack me. Oh, he would attack you. You don't trust. Mm. He would. You interrogate me. Mm-hmm. In fact, I once called his brother-in-law and said, I don't know how to talk to him. He said, you got to go easy on him. You know, he's got a really important job. He's doing really important yeah. things. So it's my fault. It gets us into this tricky territory of a lie versus a gaslight, right? Because that's one of the big debates out there. What's the difference? And you had both, right? So the lie is sort of how the person walks in the door. If anything from jobs he had to CIA to hostage situations, right? That's a lie. It is a twist of fact. It's completely untrue. The you're suspicious, you don't trust, what's wrong with you, that's That's the gaslight. Right. That's right. And I think that people get confused by that. And I think it's a really important distinction. Because a liar caught in a lie, when they're given an evidence base... They will gaslight you. Or, no. A no. liar, when caught in a lie, who's not a gaslighter, well, might cop to it. Like, oh, they will. Got they, right, right, right. But it's the conversion to gaslighting is when you give them the evidence, you're the paranoid, untrusting, suspicious, whatever you are being called. Then now the conversation shifted away from the evidence... Onto you, right? You're right. the problem. That's right. Well, it's what Lance Armstrong did, wasn't it? <laughs> Everybody yeah. else has a problem. All you people investigate me. You know, you're at fault. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, That's right. That's exactly what it was. And that deflection is every one of these liars slash gaslighters. So right. I think that that's an, an important element here, and I know a lot of people are are so confused. When he was with you, I just want to be clear. He was engaged to someone else. He was engaged to someone else whom he 
left. They were living together in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. He actually left a bunch of his belongings there. She sold them. He never came back for them. Okay. She didn't know what happened to him. He's living with his brother and sister-in-law in Georgetown. I then move to D.C. We move into the Watergate. Mm -hmm. And ostensibly, we're going to get married in November. And it was very quick. I mean, Mm. at that point, it would have been maybe eight months that we were Mm. seeing each other. That's quick. But again, I was 42. He was 58. My parents met, you know, at the Catskills, at Grossinger's. Wow. Like 60 years later, they're still together. They were married within three months. So, I mean, I'm not saying that's a relationship. Love them both. Not saying it's a relationship I want to emulate ever. But, you know, it's possible. It's possible mm-hmm. to have that. Again, when yeah. you're older. Yeah. And, I, yeah. you know, yeah. so when, and people say when you know, you know. And I wasn't a kid. Like I said, it wasn't like this hormonal response. It was I thought he was a good person. He was solid, I, you know. And then once I start hearing him screaming at the middle of the night and, and all these things don't make sense to me and I don't understand why is when I began thinking – did you ever ask him why he screamed in the middle of the night? Yeah, he was tortured. He was tortured. He had nightmares about being tortured in China. Duh. He, <laughs> he was, they would beat him in the middle of the night. And thank God that he had been a runner, a uh, long-distance runner in college because that's how he escaped. Okay. cell. Something happened to this dude. Clearly. Screaming tantrums. Clearly. In an adult male. That's not an unusual post-traumatic stress Clearly, that's, presentation. That's right. right. So I'm not crazy. Okay. So this, that tracks and compartmentalization is associated with trauma. He was compartmentalizing, having relationships, multiple simultaneous, like keeping not only simultaneous relationships going, but hundreds of simultaneous lies going. And while he was with me, just so you know, after I kind of left him, I guess, he had reached out to an old girlfriend Mm. from 30 years ago. And after he and I officially broke up, he started hanging out with her. She had cancer. She died of cancer. But he was actually there uh, for the last year of her life. And I talked to her after I found it all out about you know, what had gone on, and, and NCIS called me, and she actually helped nail him. She helped nail him because he lied to her so badly and about so many things, and she ended up wearing a wire. And the, It's all on my podcast, Imposters, the Commander. But anyway, you know, to me that was like, he was predatory. You're preying on a woman who's dying of breast cancer. I mean, that to me is criminal. You've now talked to all these people because you did your research for your book. What I'm hearing is he lied to every single one. Every single one. Every single one, mm-hmm. his ex-wives, mm-hmm. kids, girlfriends, in-laws. How did this relationship affect you in the long term? You know, in a good way. Okay. I have always been told you're too fast. You think too quickly. You're, you mm-hmm. speak too quickly. You do things too quickly. You're spontaneous and impulsive, and I am. And it really made me slow down with relationships. It made me slow down with what I was kind of really had to stop and look at what my own responsibility was here. So at six years after that, after him, I met another guy who told me that he was separated from his wife. And the joke is that they were separated the way you and I are separated, like by a microphone. They were not separated. They were just living together. And, you know, but like technically I'm in the bathroom, she's in the bedroom. We're separate. And um, it was awful. I mean, it was such a cliche. It was like, I'm lying to you about being married. That's not that's not psychopathic. I don't think that's, you know, that's just being an asshole, right? The clinical diagnosis is asshole. 
but I understood why that happened. I get it. Like, I, he wanted to hang out with me, and I, I get it. I, the other one I didn't get. I didn't understand mm. that. And, again, why not an heiress? Why do you have to give me a ring? I mean, it was a shitty ring, but why do you have to do that? You know, why do you have to propose? That? It didn't make sense to me. And what I realized is that, you know what, as I get older, there are things that I might not understand, and I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I, the other thing it made me realize, in addition to slowing down was that, how do I say this, um, people don't know themselves. I used to think people understood themselves. I used to think people really knew why they, they did things, and they don't. I'd be out of a job if they did. Well, right, right, you would, you right. would. But I really thought people had much more self-awareness mm. because I have a pretty good self sense that, and they don't. And I also thought people are really one thing, and they're not at all. They're very complicated, and that's a good thing to know. Because it actually has helped me. Like hypocrites, I understand. I used to really, I don't like hypocrites. I think most people don't. Mm -hmm. But I actually have a little bit more tolerance because I understand Mm -hmm. why people do that to Mm -hmm. some degree. Mm -hmm. You know? Tell, I mean, actually, I don't think they know. I think I think there's because of this lack of awareness. I think one part of the brain doesn't Mm -hmm. really know what the, Mm -hmm. or they Mm -hmm. compartmentalize so much, Mm -hmm. you know, that they just, part A is not talking to part B and the, you know, so that's what I think. I don't know. You're the expert. Mm -hmm. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? It does make sense. Oh, good. It it absolutely does make sense. I think that it's, it gets in a complicated place, right? This idea of self-awareness is, if anything, we could use self-awareness as sort of the antidote to these antagonistic personality styles like narcissism, right? By definition, these are not self-aware styles. There's no self-awareness of how is my behavior affecting that's someone right. else? What is the downstream effect of my behavior? That's, right. that's, that, right. that's gone. That's and right. very little awareness of how what I'm doing could be hurting and affecting right. another person. That's the core conflict. So, which is to say, when someone lies about being not married and they have a wife at home or they're leading a double life or your spouse or whatever... That's narcissistic behavior, is it not? There are people out there who have double lives for lots of reasons. Some people have double lives. Honestly, it wouldn't be unusual to see in a post-traumatic presentation that person is that successful at compartmentalizing to such a level that they're doing these things and are just not thinking about, like they've locked these things up separately with little regard for how this would be found out. I think narcissism is definitely high on the list of differentials because there's a real lack of empathy. If his wife found out that he was walking around saying he wasn't married, there's a complete, you know, no empathic awareness or attunement to what his wife would want. Psychopathy's in the mix right. because they can outlie a narcissism all day, all night. Well, I think, a narcissist, I think I the say. other thing is, you know, you don't lie to the mistress. <laughs> That's just stupid. <laughs> the reason you're the mistress is so you don't get lied to. By definition, I'd say the mistress does get lied to a lot. They do. Because That's already right. this is a person who has entered the deceit club. That's great. Right? So now from that point forward, it's all lies all the time because this lie is working. And you've done more research on this than I have. Does lying beget lying? 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, because you have to keep all the stories straight. And then when you get caught on something, it's it's like, but I don't, this doesn't make sense. Why? Well, and then you tell another lie, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. For example, I was driving by the Watergate one night and I see the light on. And so I called him. I was like, and he had said, oh, I have to move out of the Watergate because the Navy needs the apartment and the Navy was paying for the apartment. And he really was a Navy doc. I mean, for real. But he said, so I'm going to move out. That's why I'm sending all your stuff away. And so the light was on, and I emailed him, and I said, are you back in the apartment? He said, yeah, it was a comedy of errors. He said, I packed everything, and I moved it out into storage, and then the Navy said, you know what? you got to come back. 
I said, really? I said, well, you know what? My cookbooks are there, and I'd like to pick them up, which is the biggest lie of all because I don't cook, and I don't like to cook. But I did have these cookbooks because I thought, you know, well, I'm going to be in this relationship. Maybe we'll cook, and, you know, that's what we'll do on winter nights. We'll make soup, you know. So he's like, all right. And so I went one afternoon just to poke around at the Watergate, and I said I want to go up to the apartment. I did not have a key. And the guy at the front desk said, you're not allowed up. Specifically, you are not allowed up. Abby Allen is not allowed up. So I said, why? He said, I don't know. That's all I had here. So I called the guy up, the commander. I said, what's up with that? He said, oh, there was an attack in the building. And they're cracking down on who they will let up. Okay, so this speaks about lying begetting lying. And I thought, what? So I said, okay, fine, right. So he finally lets me into the apartment so I can pick up the cookbooks. And I go there, and everything is exactly as it was when I left, down to a sliver of soap in the soap dish. I mean, it was exactly—the dude didn't move out. He didn't—I mean, he didn't even wash it, you know? And I said, you never moved out. And he looked at me straight in the eye, and he said, oh, yes, I did. And that's when I thought, there is no discussion. So, yes, this lying begets lying. It is—this is my story, and I'm sticking to it, except when I veer to the left and I make something else up. It was just— confounding. Okay, I'm going to say one thing here, though, because I want people to understand is that you said something really interesting in your book, Mm. a a line that jumped out at me, is um, what no one realized, what I didn't realize then, was that I was in an abusive relationship. I was. Not physically, but emotionally, for sure. It was. Mm -hmm. It was 100% abusive. And Mm -hmm. I think those relationships... Are, can be harder on some level mm-hmm. because at least mm-hmm. to other people, they see when you have a black yeah. eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody understands. And let's be clear about something. We were talking about shame and why people feel such shame. The rest of the world condemns you if you've been duped. What did you do? How could you be such an idiot? Always. How could you have not known that? How did you not know? Why mm-hmm. would you believe mm-hmm. that they were held mm-hmm. hostage in China? I mean, why would you know? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you know that they had mm-hmm. another family around the corner? I mean, all of these things. In story after story to that point, when we've had people who have been in these sort of con situations on this podcast, that came up over and over again. And as we researched the stories, it was always so striking to me was it wasn't even like a few people were blaming them. I'm almost going with majority. They do. We're saying, well, I wouldn't have been played like that. And I want to say, you know, that means you are going to be played. That's what I'm saying. The smarter you are, the more convinced you are that you wouldn't be taken for a ride, Mm -hmm. the more likely you will be. And that was why I didn't, you know, so many people want to know about their psychology. That's where you come in. And that's what we're going to talk about next. My session with Abby will continue after this break. It's almost here. The NYX Anniversary Sale starts this Thursday, May 9th at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. 
So mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th for the NYX anniversary sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Don't miss this. The psychology of lying. Well, the psychology of lying, again, I was more interested in the victims, but the liars are fascinating. This is what I know. They lie because they have bad self-esteem. They lie because there's something wrong with their brain. They lie because... They like stories. They lie because they think they can get away with it. They lie because they can get away with it. Here's a question. Do you think lying to that degree is a symptom or its own diagnosis? You know how I approach this? To me, when I look at lying, I come at it as a behaviorist would. Human beings do things because they're rewarded. They're rewarded for the lie. And the more popular kids are the kids who tell lies. And that's something you wrote about that's in your right. book. Could you talk about they, that? Because actually, that it's, was actually a killer fascinating, finding. fascinating, yeah. right? Because they're fun, and they have good stories, yeah. and people yeah. like to be around them, and they know how to charm people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. These people are charming. I mean, the guy I was with was not really good looking, but he was charming mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. fun, and he knew what interested people, and he knew how to talk to them. I think there's also something else, which is that these people believe it themselves eventually, Yeah. which is why there's, you know, I always talk to people about polygraphs. There's no such thing as a lie detector. It's a po- and it measures anxiety. Mm-hmm. It measures the way your heart beats. It measures that. So if you don't believe you've lied, you're going to pass a test. And this is where we get into the reasons people lie. I felt like your story of the commander, I don't know him. I've never seen him. I, I could not render a meaningful clinical opinion. But the patterns you laid out in the, your story of the commander, that depth and breadth and consistency and sweep of lying feels more like it's in the psychopathy neighborhood. I thought he was a psychopath. His wife thought he, his ex-wife thought he was a narcissist. Narcissistic people lie, but like I said, they cannot lie as well as psychopathic people. And here's why. You did something in your book. You wrote down every lie you told mm. for six months. I okay? Did. <laughs> Talk about that for a minute, because then I want to bring it back to what we're talking about. I curated a lie log because I mm-hmm. wanted to see just how mm-hmm. much I lied. And I found that I tell lies. I mean, okay. mostly they're white lies, though. And research shows that women lie to make other people feel good and men lie to make themselves mm-hmm. feel good and look mm-hmm. good. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what my guy did. I mean, he was, mm-hmm. you know, James Bondstein. <laughs> but <laughs> I have lied to make people feel good. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a problem with that. What mm-hmm. do you think of that? Mm-hmm. I want you to tell me this was the most fascinating interview you've mm-hmm. ever done. Yep. I will yep. believe you. I yep. won't, but I'll like it. And I, <laughs> so. yeah, I get it. And I want you to tell me this is my color. So, <laughs> yes. you know, so I completely agree with you. And I think that one thing is that lies like narcissism, like everything in the world is on a continuum. Correct. Right? And if I told everyone what I honestly thought of their dress, what they look like, and who they are, nobody left in my life. You nobody. have no friends. I know that. We've had movies about that. Yeah. There was that mm-hmm. Jim Carrey movie, right? And there liar, wasn't liar. liar, Liar. What was the Ricky Gervais one? He did one. I don't remember the name of it. but and I know I'm, what you're talking about. The, the yeah. theory mm-hmm. of, I, I don't know. You cannot tell people the truth all the time. But yet, we have to trust the car is going to stop at the red mm-hmm. light and not mm-hmm. bash into us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I actually have been thinking about more and more. I'm a terrible jaywalker in New York, not in Los Angeles. I know it's legal. But in New York, I'm like, I'm stupid. Why do I assume these cars are going to stop for me? Again, going back to, yes, we need to be able to trust, but why do people lie and psychopathic lying, narcissistic lying, and then the lying we all do? The commander situation, depth, breath, all of it, that felt more like psychopathy. 
right? And, and I think he really, really had terrible self-esteem. I, I really believe that. No, 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 he did. Okay. And he needed to puff himself okay. up. Okay. Which is a very obvious response, but I think it's true and in that the, case. It, the self-esteem issue now pulls me back more into a narcissistic place, right? So psychopathy is interesting because it has a really strong biological piece to it. It's a down-regulated autonomic nervous system. So when I tell a lie... It is so clear. My face turns red. I sweat. I couldn't even play poker if I wanted to. And if you hooked a lie detector up to me now, it would just go off like it was the 4th of July because right. I can't lie. You know, I can. Like, I can tell you. You can I tell can, me. Yeah, I you can, told me that this is my color. <laughs> I wasn't well, lying. I wasn't lying. Nah. But I did tell a friend the other day, like, I liked See? the dress and I thought the dress was absolutely hideous. So I can tell those pro-social lies. As you call right. That, right, right, which make but, the world go round. Correct. But what you're talking about, this is a different animal. Narcissistic people will often lie to save face, to look good, to, look to good. get validation, to get supply. Psychopathic people don't need supply. They need power and dominance. So the lie allows them to maintain control. But they go together. Can you be a psychopathic narcissist? Sure you can. No? No, no, no. I mean, I do think that they're separate entities. I really do, Abby. Okay. I think that psychopathy is a very rarefied space. It is heaven above, thank you, that it is rare because it's dangerous. Because when a person's not getting that kind of, mm, this doesn't feel good to do this, it's a disincentive to do something bad. For a narcissistic person, they do actually think, like, oh, I don't want to be the bad person. And they'll often look guilty and sweaty and all of that. They'll still lie to be able to cheat on a spouse. They may still lie to cook the books. But the psychopathic liar is a much more successful liar because they don't have a tell. And they don't have empathy. And they don't have empathy. But nor do the narcissists. And well, and then the question from everything I've read is that psychopaths really cannot be treated. I think that what we've seen is that, you know, I'm not going to give the long academic version here, is that it's not convincing. A, they're not going to go into therapy unless they're court ordered. If they are right. court ordered, they're often going to outwit the therapist. Right. There has been some interesting work where they've attempted to simulate empathy, like want you to imagine someone la 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 going through a sad situation. And some imaging studies have shown that when you can force empathy by them reacting to a situation, areas of the brain will light up that are empathy areas of the brain, which ordinarily don't automatically light up the way they would for someone else. And what about with narcissists? They have actually more of a capacity for empathy. It's not fair to say a narcissistic person doesn't have empathy. They use it transactionally. Mm -hmm. It's quite performative. Mm -hmm. It tends to be more cognitive. So I understand why you're sad versus having that oh my gosh, my friend is sad. I want to be with her. I need to sit with that person and hold that space with them. This is a different game. And when the narcissistic person feels safe, well-regulated, secure, in a good place, actually they can be quite empathic. It's almost like they're not hungry. Right. You know, they're right. good. And when they're in that place, they're not missing the chip. In psychopathy, you're talking they're about missing someone missing chip. a chip. Right. But in narcissism, right. the chip is just an old, slow processor. And it's a selfish processor. And so everything in their life has to be perfect. And then they can bring empathy. But that can actually mean narcissistic people lie. They're just not as successful. So we were talking about George Santos. Mm -hmm. Is he a psychopath? I would say that, again, I've never met I or know. treated George either. Santos giving that. But I'd say somebody who's able to successfully pursue a political office, a political office, and not some local small town council. We're talking a federal political office successfully run a campaign, fundraise, win the race, and go in despite all of this being found out and never breaking gaze. I know. 
it's it, I know that's definitely more in this advanced you know like we think of it more in the psychopathy yeah and then some people say are all these states delusional I mean I, do they believe their own hype but the fact is they're able to pull this off George Santos was sworn in officially as a member of Congress in 2022 but on the back of multiple fabrications which he met with quote my sins here are embellishing my resume. I'm sorry. Embellishing is an understatement. His exaggerations include not being truthful about working at two prominent Wall Street banks, that he had obtained degrees in finance and economics from two New York colleges, that he was Jewish, and that four employees of his company were killed in the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida in June of 2016, and even more lies. None of these things were true, and yet that did not stop him from being elected to higher office. I think it is delusional. I think it is psychopathic, and I think it's, were they born this way or were they made? I don't know the answer. Nobody seems to know the end. They, I mean, there was a mm. point where people were distinguishing between sociopaths and psychopaths. Everything I had read said that actually some people seem to use them interchangeably. Other people said they're not the same. They're not. So uh, some people say the sociopaths were made and the psychopaths were born that way. I don't know which is which. What we see is that psychopathy does have it. There appears to be something in that autonomic nervous system thing. There seems to be something genetic there. It's a work in progress, right? We're figuring this out. The fact is... A person who might have the genetics may also be coming into a home where there's a psychopathic right. parent. So how much of this is modeled? How much of it is the chaos that can ensue? There's definitely a stronger evidence base for psychopathy and genetics. Narcissism, not nearly as much. Narcissism definitely seems to be a social and developmental kind of an issue around attachment and early relationships and all of that. Sociopathy, an entirely different beast. Psychopathic people, cool, calm, collected. Sociopathic people, not so calm and collected. They tend to be a bit more reactive. And that speaks then to probably more of a traumatic origin. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Because that's, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know what page, but somewhere in there I talked about how it was used interchangeably because that's yeah, what I had read. Yeah, they're not interchangeable. Inter interesting. Mm, yeah, no, I, I don't think so. Need to you make know. a correction. So in terms of another thing that you talked about in your book, and I think it's really worth mentioning, um, I'm going to read I'm, I'm going to read to you read, from your own read. scripture. I want some milk and okay. cookies. Read. And it's interesting. You talk, you, Harold Sackheim, which talk about a little bit of Jungian synchronicity. Harold Sackheim was one of my professors when I started a PhD program at NYU 52 million years ago when dinosaurs no still roamed the earth. And I ended up transferring from NYU to UCLA. And Harold Sackheim also worked up at New York State Psychiatric Institute where I had done some of my like research internships. So it was like a whole Harold Sackheim universe. So when you interviewed him, I have tremendous respect for his work. And you talk here about self-deception. And this piece from Harold Sackheim's work, the people who were the happiest were the ones who were lying to themselves more. Then someone else talks about the realists, according to Joanna Starek, a clinical psychologist, said the realists tend to be slightly more depressed than others. And Sackheim says they see how horrible people are, what their weaknesses are, and the problem is they're right. I, I remember reading this and laughing. I'm like, oh, yeah, as a miserable realist, I got you. <laughs> I guess so talk about self-deception, because I thought that was really interesting. Well, who do we deceive the most? And again, I believe that 
We have to deceive ourselves, unfortunately. I have this favorite story, which is uh, that I was walking by a window in New York City and I saw my reflection and I thought, damn, I look good. Then I realized I was looking at someone else. And (laughs) I thought, you know... This is good. I should. I wish I hadn't realized that because it would be nice. It's like when mm-hmm. you go to, and you look in the mirror and it's one of those tall, skinny mirrors and you think, I really look hot. Mm. You don't need to know that. So I wish I was able to be fooled more. I really do. Had I not opened my mouth, I could have been married to this guy. I really could have been. Thank God I opened my mouth. But I could have really gone, you know, a long way. And I remember... I remember actually right after I got engaged to him, I owned my apartment in New York, and I called a lawyer, and I said, can this guy get his his hands on my apartment? And they said, no, not unless you give it over to him. I said, what about debt? What if he has debt? Do I incur that? They said, whatever he comes into the marriage with, you don't. But whatever after, it's yours. And I remember thinking, that's going to be a problem. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, I think people who live in a state of denial are a lot happier. Yes, and yeah, however, you could also see the danger for entering and staying in a narcissistic relationship or a psychopathic or toxic relationship. Okay, so figure this out. Ignorance is bliss, but knowledge is power. Right. Work that out. Okay, yeah, great. So let's break that down. Okay. Ignorance is bliss, and knowledge is power. So the question is, what do you want more, bliss or power? I think that changes depending on where you are in your life. And I don't actually think that ignorance is bliss because I look at survivors and I do use the word survivor because I actually think you are a survivor. I don't think you're a sufferer. I think you suffer. I suffered. I don't right? think of myself as a sufferer now. Okay. I was a sufferer. I However, suffered. you you suffered yeah. and you came out of it. I suffered. I suffered. You did suffer. And people I was in these a sufferer. Relationship, yes. People in these relationships suffer. Okay. I think that the narrative is and then people say, and now I'm broken. Right. And so they stay and suffer. And my, nah, you, you got out of this. You survived it. Right. As much as one could survive graduate school, one could survive uh, recession. You know, you, you're still standing on the other side. Right. Mm-hmm. So that language said ignorance wasn't bliss for them. And they tried. They Ign- tried. Ignorance was bliss until it became known. You don't know what you don't know. To get but, all... mm, I'm going to push back okay. on that. Okay, go, good. It's not that you don't know what you don't know. They're suffering. In your case, it was a deceit, gaslighting, manipulation, heavy relationship. 100%. I hear that. For other people, it's a push-pull between really good days and really bad days and blaming themselves for that. Mm-hmm. It's the being compared to other people. It's dealing with the angel at the dinner party and the monster in the car on the ride home. It could be betrayals. It could be infidelities, all of that. They're suffering, okay? They're often trivialized. Their goals are laughed at. They're mocked. They're held in contempt. It's suffering, right? And so... This is all happening to them, and they are suffering, but they don't have a name for the suffering. And they don't know why. They don't know why. All they know is, I am so unhappy. I'm not supposed to be. Everyone said we looked really good at the dinner party. I am miserable. Maybe, and this is I hear this from survivors every time I talk to them, I think, you know, what What am I complaining about? There's people who are homeless. Well, that's right. There are people who are suffering more. There are people getting beaten up. What that's am right. I complaining about? Right. And I'm thinking... 
you're being emotionally devastated on the daily. You're being emotionally manipulated and betrayed. Right. And, and yeah. So yeah. the ignorance in that case is that they're actually having an experience, a physical, psychological experience that doesn't have a name. I appreciate that. What about the people who live in these marriages and they're totally happy and they do not suspect their husband has another family around the corner? Like a Stepford kind of a thing or just really? No, uh, yeah, just like really. Okay. So Just ignorant. They're they're living okay. their, their best life. They're doing what they do, and they have no idea. I guess there. That's actually a really really good question. Thank you. Is that somebody <laughs> that somebody would be, and we've all known people like that. I've had friends who were in relationships that were just riddled with deceit. And yeah. then there was the moment somehow something got found out. And I think with Internet and the digital age we're in, it's a lot harder to keep a lie covered up, right? But then I have to say that the devastation at that point, it's a different – like in other words, now the blast site, the blast zone is going to be that much larger. And folks in those situations where they manage to not see it sometimes feel when it's all – after it all blows up. That they're complicit. Well, sure, because they, and then all of a sudden they're like, "What did I miss? Mm-hmm. What did I? What mm-hmm. did I not see? What did I willingly mm-hmm. not see?" Right? Well, yes, right. And it wasn't even willingly. Like maybe, I mean, it, again, unconscious processes aren't willing processes. And and then we start getting we curve into interesting territory around things like culture, Abby. That when there's no option. Divorce is simply right. not an option. Right. Breaking up a family is simply not an option. That kind of denial unseeing this is survival and safety because to see it and have to stay in it is a very specific kind of hell on earth. Okay. You know, I do think that those things are all operating in terms of how people get stuck. When we have had guests on here, we had one guest in particular, Jen Faison from Betrayed, who perfect life and then one one day comes home to a um, a search warrant on her door and and they, they watch her husband be taken away and that was the last time she ever saw him. I did a piece about white collar wives and uh, mm-hmm. it ran in the Times and it was about these women whose husbands were white collar offenders and the women had no idea they say and yet then you uncover the layers a little bit and they're like well I had a reason not to know and the reason I had to not know or ask questions was because I liked the life we lived. Yes, yes. And I liked mm-hmm. the money you made. Mm-hmm. And I liked the car mm-hmm. I had. And, yeah. you know, so yeah. there was – and I think in that sense there's a sense of complicity because they were. I, I, I hear that. And I think that they still don't think it's a sense of complicity because ultimately they weren't committing the wrongdoings. Right? I mean – Well, they weren't committing the wrongdoings. It, it's, so, it's so interesting because Bernie Madoff's wife. Mm, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. I think she knew maybe something was not kosher, but she didn't. Listen, I can barely add. So if I had been married to Bernie Madoff, I wouldn't know what he was doing. But I might say something might not be right here, but I don't really want to know. What I, what I don't know mm-hmm. doesn't hurt me. So mm-hmm. am I complicit? I mean, that's like a question for the rabbis. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It's a tough one. I, you know, I, I, an analogy I've often used is around magic tricks and magicians, right? Because even adults like going to magicians. It's not kids. And I hate going to magicians because okay. I need to know how they do it. Bingo. Drive so bonkers. Here's the thing. A lot of people go to a magician and they're content to not know right. how the trick was done. Because once you show how the trick is done, it's not magic anymore. That's right. And I think that then we you're want, complicit. Right. It's, are, are you complicit? I refuse to believe I was complicit with the guy at Magic Castle. 
I I think you were. That's the contract between the audience. The audience has to be willing to be duped. Yeah, see, and I wanted to believe the spoon okay, was being bent. You were, everybody was closeted but you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, no, I mean, but the emperor has no clothes. The audience right, was complicit. Right. Yeah, but then yeah. the, the, the city, whatever it was, the village. Right, right. It's an interesting one because then once we know how the trick is done, again, the magic is gone. The charade is over. And that's tricky. And you, you become know? the miserable depressive who is no longer living in denial. Harold Sackheim's realist. There, there you go. Right. And so that, that's tricky. <laughs> we will be right back with my conversation with Abby. It's almost here. The NYX anniversary sale starts this Thursday, May 9th at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. So mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th for the NYX anniversary sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Don't miss this. When we talk about narcissism and toxic relationships, we often don't deconstruct like we are right now because we're really focusing on a pattern that characterizes these relationships, but it's not all of it. And yet, you see, it kind of is all of it. Because if you lie, systemically lie, not you look good in that dress lie, systematically lie, you're entitled because you feel like you can hold the uh, monopoly on truth. You lack empathy because you don't care about what your deceit is doing to the other person. You're arrogant because you think you're above all of us. You're grandiose because at some level you must believe your own hype that you are the great you know, trickster of our time. And you hold the power. That's right. So all of that, even though we're talking about a behavior, that all of that behavior pings into all of these elements of the bigger picture's antagonism, but then we could boil that down to narcissism and psychopathy. Mm-hmm. When you were in the relationship, did you ever stop to think, I'm in a relationship with a narcissist, I'm in a relationship with a psychopath? Mm -hmm. You did. Mm -hmm. He said to me at one point, I'm not a psychopath. I said, yeah, you are. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I did. And that, you know, for whatever reason, and that's a whole other podcast, I was never in this thing 100%. I always had a foot out the door. You know, I've been freelance my whole life as a as a mm, okay. So there's yeah. definitely yeah. A, there's a connection there. So I think I kept a foot out because I knew it wasn't going to work out on some level in my mm-hmm. in my gut. Mm-hmm. I just knew it, and that's why I say I wanted the career, I wanted the story, I had to stick it out until I had concrete mm-hmm. concrete proof this person was a liar. Instead of these fantastical things I couldn't verify, I had to get out for my self esteem. But it was just like I knew there was going to be some story there. So, you know, that's. Yeah. My shrink accused me of the same thing once. She's like, I think you keep getting into narcissistic relationships for material. I'm like, that's insensitive. And I'm like, maybe. But it's, it's well, it's true. Like, oh, cool. Everything is copy, you know. But if you're not doing anything, if you're not with anybody, mm-hmm. you're just hanging out by yourself eating bonbons, what's the copy? You know, I ate a bad bonbon. 
Right. Or not that interesting. teach me how to live a bonbon life because that would actually be an interesting antidote to how I live. Well, yeah, that's true. There's that. You do talk about, though, and I'd imagine this was a quality that might have been quite attractive in the commander, is that intelligent people tend to lie more. And we value intelligence. And they think there's something else. We don't want to be the one person who's that kid who says, the emperor's naked. Everybody thinks, we're talking about complicity, everybody, all those people in that village said, God, the guy looks naked, but maybe I'm not seeing it right. Maybe I'm sure. making a mistake. Nobody wants to be the one person who says, you know, calls it out. And in your research, did you figure out why nobody wants to be the person who wants to call because it out? Because I think it's what I call the lemming effect. Mm-hmm. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to be the odd person mm-hmm. out because nobody wants to look wrong and... To bring it all full circle, no one wants to look stupid. Right. And we also are shaped by other people. If you look at Solomon Ash's work, if you remember that, you might have learned that. Anyone listening in psychology, there would be three lines. One was clearly longer than the rest of them. And there would be a group of nine people. There were Confederates, people working alongside the researchers were sort of like liars stuck in the group. And then a person would innocently say, I think line B is the longest, line B. And then... The Confederates say line A, and then other people, they would start responding. The clearly shorter line was the longest because they were affected by other people. A lot of this research actually came out of post-World War II when people are trying to understand what happened. How could such horrors happen? How could people just have gone along like that? Well, do you remember The Wave? That was an after-school special, The Wave. It was about you know the kids in the school, and it was based on a real experiment. Some were guards, some were prisoners. And oh, how? you mean the um? You, you're talking it wasn't about, Milgram. It wasn't Milgram. It wasn't, oh no, not Milgram. Milgram was um, the uh, Zimbardo. D- yes, Zimbardo. Zimbardo. Stanford that's Prison Experiment. That's right. That, yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. And they did a show called The Wave, and it was all about basically following the crowd. Right? Other people were doing this. I mean, that wasn't the whole point of that, but the guards were abusing the prisoners, prisoners. and everybody was doing it, and so everybody continued to do it. The Stanford Prison Experiment is actually interesting because it really speaks to once we're placed into a role, how we take on that role, because. If right. I remember that correctly, wasn't right. it was Zimbardo randomly assigned yes, he did. prisoners and guards. So they were and then the I think same. he shifted it. And then, and he? so what happened yeah. was, though, he had to end the experiment early right. because the guards became so abusive. But they were it's just a coin flip on which group you were assigned to be That's in. That's right. That's right. But when we get to this stuff on conformity. But they were all doing it because even though some people thought guard A is doing it, guard B is doing it, guard C said, why? That's really bad. I shouldn't do it. But A and B are doing it, so I'm going to do it too. Yes, 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 right. yes. But see, all of this relates again to Solomon Ash's work on conformity. And we are a tribal species. Right. Right? right. So human beings live in small social groups. And so to be ostracized for a human being is actually to die. If you go to our primal sort of state as human beings, you can't make it alone. We can now because of the internet, but that's pretty recent. But it's also made it that much easier to get caught. It's made it harder too. I think we've always lied. I don't think we're lying more. I think that what we're seeing is there's more evidence of the lying. Because there's a a public- The e-trail, yeah. There's an e-trail and the public is the media now, right? right. So now we're seeing the person in Another country is lying. We're like, we'll caught you out in that lie. It makes it seem ubiquitous. I'm not convinced. In your research, did it seem like rates of lying have gone up? People were talking about yeah, it more. And the yeah. reason was because mm-hmm. back in the old days, to have your double lives, you'd have mm-hmm. to walk to the farm mm-hmm. 20 miles away. Yeah. Now you click on the button on the mm-hmm. internet, you know, mm-hmm. or you have a burner phone, or you can call up a website to get a person who will pretend to be your boss. Mm-hmm. You know, you can pay them mm-hmm. to be, and they will give you a recommendation for a job you never had. Mm-hmm. You can get the sounds of airplanes taking off. You can, I mean, there's so much yeah. opportunity yeah. for deception. Yeah. Yeah. There is so much opportunity for deception. There's but... that much opportunity to get caught. Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. why I think we're yeah. talking about it more. But I think that 
you know, if George Santos stays in office and nothing happens to him, it's really going to be interesting to see what happens in the world because people are going to say, well, why should I bother telling the truth if this guy is being rewarded for lying? We know he's making shit up. And yet... And my counterpoint to that is going to be because most of us are wired to tell the truth. Are we? I believe so. It's the red light. You said if, if we don't follow these rules on red lights and honesty creates tighter social bonds, which well, are still the name of the game. Okay. But do you think I, – I, I used to think about this a lot. The Holocaust, World War II. Mm-hmm. People had to lie to save mm-hmm. their lives. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. So is everybody capable of that or are there some people who are not? Everybody's capable of it to a point. I think some people, though, they're maintaining the lie – would become too much of a mental stretch for but them. They needed to, to survive. They needed to to survive. Not everyone was able to do not it. Not everyone though. survived. But not right, everyone we survived can't talk to them because they're not right. Here. Yeah. So I think that under survival circumstances, human beings can do things right. But in general, people prefer the truth because they don't have that commander-like capacity to compartmentalize and keep it all straight. Well, it's just, it's easier to tell the truth. It is easier to tell the truth. It is, is. but there's consequences. And I think that that's 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 the other piece. Do you think after the experience you've been through, and even some dating experiences you said that you went through years later and still were deceived, and everything you've learned about lying, do you feel that the only way forward is that everyone just has to keep their guard up all the time? You know, I say this all the time, Reagan, trust, verify, right? Trust, but verify. And I go, Trust, but verify, but still don't trust. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I could be involved with somebody very seriously mm. without really checking into their past and mm-hmm. really, like, you know, hiring a private eye. Mm-hmm. And I say that half facetiously, but really have not. I don't know that I could. Mm-hmm. I don't know that mm-hmm. I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's so bad. I don't even know if I want to be involved with anybody seriously. I feel like, God, what an emotional, exhausting experience, emotionally exhausting experience that would be to go through somebody's Michigas and uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, nah. Do you trust other people in your life? Uh, well, who? Friends? Yes. Family members? Yeah. Okay. But it's very different when there's romance involved. It's very different mm. when there's love involved. It's very different when there's hormones involved. It's very different when there's DNA involved. It's very different when there's, you know, there's so much there. It's mm-hmm. different from a friendship. It is different. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of really good friends and I take those relationships seriously, but, you know, I don't have to live with them. Right. And have you had the experience of being significantly lied to in anything outside of an intimate relationship? I have. And it's very easy to say you're nuts. I'm out of here. Okay. So it's a different buy-in. It's a different buy-in. Mm-hmm. It's a different buy-in. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, I, I got no reason, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And I tell folks, your story is that, my story is that, your relationship with trust will change. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And I think I said this earlier. I don't necessarily need to know everything. Like, I don't need to know if it's all Mm -hmm. what it is, but I Mm -hmm. also need to know what I can accept Mm -hmm. and what untruths Mm -hmm. I cannot accept. Yep. You know? I totally agree. And I think that it gets very, very complicated. So now that you've done what you've done, what steps do you suggest that people could take to protect themselves from being deceived? In romance, if you're really serious about it, I don't think there's a problem in hiring somebody to check out the records and, you know, mm-hmm. is this person lying about their income? Are they lying about their position? I get a story a day, mostly women, but for men too. I didn't know they were lying about, you know, their income. They were lying about their position. They were lying about where they were from. They were lying about this. They were... Research that. I mean, there are websites you can do online, right? There's like, what is it? Radar? Verify? Whatever they have. Trustify. Verify? What's it called? 
I, I don't know. One, I'm, one of those things. You can go online. But yeah, I would think if you need to get hard facts, you hire somebody to do it for you. Mm-hmm. I think that's smart. I think that's savvy. I think you also need to know what your tolerance level is, mm-hmm. what you're happy mm-hmm. to be, you know, what you're okay being misled about and mm-hmm. what you're okay not being misled, you know? The unsophisticated version of what you're saying of check someone out is to Google them. Yeah, but I'm saying take it a step further. Take it further. Because I was seeing a guy last year, and he didn't have a Google profile. And I was like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I mean, and I did all the things. Mm-hmm. I got background records from whatever that website is that I can't remember. But at the end of the day, I couldn't do it. And he wouldn't quite tell me what his story was. And I thought, I, I can't do this. So in essence, what you're really telling people is do some homework. Yeah. Before saying, especially do, do your homework. This isn't an intimate relational space. Let's expand this out. Okay. Friends workplace, yeah. other people you're going to run into. Would you give the same guidance? Yes. You would. Okay. Do, so do you people. know that, what is it, like 55% of people have lie on their resume? Wow. Wow. They Santos it. We're going to use them as a verb. I mean, they, you know, but there were people in the book that I talked about who, you know, they were let go for making things up, making up fake degrees, making mm-hmm. up all this stuff. You know, part of the problem that I have with them is that they're stupid because they realize they can be checked, except the complicity piece is that people don't often do their they don't due diligence. Check. Right. How much can fear of consequences do you think keep a liar in line? It depends what the consequences are. Mm. Because here we are looking at this country, we have had liars. Mm-hmm. And for better or for worse, if you are a Democrat, you will think that Joe Biden hiding of his documents or forgetting his documents is not a big deal. If you like Trump, you're going to say it's not a big mm-hmm. deal. Same thing. But if we see somebody we clearly know fabricated, like a George Santos, mm-hmm. and nothing happens to them, what mm-hmm. is that going to do? What consequences right, right, are there? Right. Why should anybody mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. tell the truth other than the hardwiredness? Other than the hardwiredness, which actually goes farther than you possibly think. In your book, you focus on the lying, what happens to people, and we read it and we understand what the motivations around lying are. But what we are often, te- our tendency is, and there's a proverb I've used on this podcast before, is that you know, the tale of the hunt is always told by the hunter. Mm-hmm. Not the lion, you know, so, which is we're so focused on the perpetrator, on the wrongdoer, right? So then we try to come up with interventions like how can we change them? How can we make people not lie? And you're saying that's the wrong tree to bark up. That's right. You that's what you're to saying do too. You. That's exactly what I'm saying. And that's yeah. what your book is doing. Is that's saying, right. Let's talk about what happens right. when a person is lied to. That's right. I never confronted this guy. I told you in the beginning. Right. I didn't. I haven't seen him in 12 and I thought about it because I thought, well, it would be a good copy, you know, a good mm-hmm. material for a book. And I thought, what's he going to say? He's either mm-hmm. going to say, I didn't do anything wrong, or else he's going to say, I don't know why, mm-hmm. you know, or you're crazy, you're a bitch, whatever he's going to say. And I thought, what is the point here? So no. I never got a response because right. I didn't need that closure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't going to do anything. Right. And I think there's something very valid in that. Yes. And, and that was yes. also something mm-hmm. that I, I – because mm-hmm. everybody said, well, you're going to talk to him. There was no need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a good place to get to mm-hmm. because you have to realize, again, you're taking care of yourself. You're putting on not your own oxygen mask but your own pandemic mask. Mm-hmm. You are protecting yourself. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, right. that's who has to protect you. And that is so important. It's unsettling, too, because people yeah. say, I want to be taken care of. It's the child in all of us yeah. that is saying, can someone like make it so I don't always have to be on it? But unfortunately, part of the work is to say, I need to, in whatever form, need to do my due diligence, whatever that looks like. The fact is people are going to do that in different ways. But this is about you and because you're never, ever going to make a liar. Stop lying. And the very last thing I would say is if anybody is asking you for money, especially someone you've never met or you met on the Internet and all of a sudden they tell you they're your boyfriend or whatever, 
don't give them any yeah, money. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No. And that's something. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. sad, but it needs to be said. No, it does need to be said. And I think that when we look at the various scams out there, they do prey upon the sad, v- lonely v- people, lonely vulnerable. people, and a very, very human need. Yes. To want to be loved. To want to be loved. That's it. Abby, thank you so much for coming on. Just as we wrap up here, where can people find you and connect with your work? They can find me. They can go to my website, abbyellen.com. I'm on Instagram vaguely at abby underscore ellen underscore author. You know, you can buy my book on all your local wherever you buy your books, duped. Double Lives, False Identities, and the con man I almost married. And you can listen to the podcast I did based on the book called Imposters, The Commander, Season 2. And that is on Spotify. In my first takeaway, many survivors feel foolish for getting duped. And this can happen whether it is a long-term committed relationship or even a short-term relationship that ends in a scam. None of us want to believe we fell for a con or were taken for a ride. But there is a danger to this mindset because it can leave survivors isolated, less likely to get help, and more likely to get lost in self-blame and shame. It doesn't feel good, but seeking out help and talking it out when you're caught in a confusing place of deceit can be absolutely crucial to healing. In this next takeaway, all liars are not narcissistic, but all narcissistic people are liars. People lie for lots of different reasons, as we have learned, and even narcissistic people tell lies for a wide range of reasons. We are often wanting simple black and white tools to be able to organize the people in our lives. Sadly, lying is a little bit too complicated to allow us to do that. Odds are that most of us don't really want people to tell us the truth about how we look in this dress. But we don't want to be lied to about big ticket issues. For our next takeaway, while Abby raised the issue of people being complicit and how they may engage with a lie or other deceit, I take a slightly different stance. Denial often plays a role, but it is an unconscious process, and it is designed to protect us from information we don't feel able to hear. Complicity implies something more active, of being an aware player in someone else's deceit. For many survivors of toxic relationships, I don't see it as complicity, but rather as a complex mix of denial, confusion, and hope. To see what is happening clearly in these relationships, to be neither in denial or complicit, means jumping into the unknown, and that can feel very unsettling. Sometimes we don't see things right away. That may simply be self-protective at a primitive level. So in this takeaway, when Abby finally understood the depth of the lies and got confirmation, although she was elated, she also learned that there was no such thing as a clean slate. These relationships do change us. Our slates have some marks on them that just don't disappear. After someone you love and trust perpetrates repeated and elaborate lies that reflect no empathy or awareness of the pain caused by these lies, your relationship with trust changes forever. While there is no clean slate, perhaps those marks that linger are teachers that may make us more circumspect and, yeah, suspicious in the future. A little suspicion can go a long way. And in our last takeaway for Abby, 
I asked, and she asked, why do we do what we do? Abby was surprised as she went through her process and her research on lying that people are not that self-aware. Lack of self-awareness is a hallmark of narcissistic personalities. But it's not just antagonistic folks that lack self-awareness. Most of us could do with a deeper dive into ourselves. And when we do this, we become clearer not only on our own motivations, but also become more aware of how our words and our actions affect other people. Self-awareness connects us into our worlds more profoundly. And that not only connects us to other people, but it also allows us to keep our eyes more clear and wide open to what is happening around us, good, bad, or indifferent. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive Budget Beach Finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Generations Riviera Maya Resort and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.